We're so happy you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story to pastor at relevant316.com. If you want to support this ministry financially, hop on our website at relevant316.com. There you'll find different giving options to suit your needs. Once again, thanks so much for joining us today. God, we thank you so much that we get to come together and to worship you, Father, to praise your name, to, to, to celebrate you and all the amazing things that you're doing here, Father. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy, God. And we thank you so much for our senior pastors, Jonathan and Pauline, God. We thank you that the vision you've given them, they steward it well and they steward it with excellence, God. Creating an environment where people can come and be restored, where relationships can take place, authentic relationships, and also a place where we can truly experience Jesus Christ himself, God. So we thank you this morning, God. I pray that I completely step out of your way as you deliver a word of your gospel, Father. And God, I just need to pray for all the Patriots fans in advance, God. They're going to need a special healing that only you can provide. They're going to need some comfort, God, because next Sunday, Tom Brady meets his demise, God. And we're praying for Tom Brady's soul because he's going to be crushed by the L.A. Rams. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Rams fans, where you at? Rams fans, where you at? I'm a Jets fan, but I hate the Patriots. You know what I'm saying? So I have a question for you guys, real quick question for you. Who here has heard of the 10-year challenge? You know, where people were taking a picture, and 10 years later, they kind of show who they was. Who participated in the 10-year challenge? You, my man, that's what I'm talking about. He ain't afraid. All y'all still got MySpace. That's why you didn't do it. Get on Instagram. It's new, okay? But listen, God put it on my heart. He put it on my heart to create a 10-year challenge for some people that we love here so dearly at church. Um, they may try to beat me up for this, but I guarantee you they can't catch me. I ran from the police. They won't be able to catch me, okay? <laughs> Let's go ahead and throw the first picture. So that's, that's McDowell right there coming to America. But I promise, it, it looks like him, but it's really not. This is who it really is 10 years later. Bam, baby! Yeah! Kevin Bergingo. He got the Big Mick, not the Big Mac. They got the arcs, not the arches. Who we got next? Who we got next? Okay, that may look like Bruce Willis. I promise you it's not, though. It's actually our very own Pastor Scott, baby. Hey, look, hey, Bruce Willis don't got nothing on Pastor Scott. Can I get an amen? Amen. Pastor Scott is handsome. That's right. And then we have Tom Brady when he was saved, when he was sanctified, when he was young. But now, who pays off the refs to win a game? If you watch the game, I mean, it's evident, right? Who started booing? Boo. Yeah, I'm with y'all. Where Kevin Bingo at? Boo. I'm just playing. Sorry, Nikki. Don't beat me up. Don't beat me up. But it's interesting, though, y'all, because if you look at the 10-year challenge, it's really just a snapshot. Like, it doesn't tell about the details that go in between that got that person to where they are 10 years later. And when I think about the 10-year challenge, and when I think about Scripture, I'm like, man, Joseph, the son of Jacob, the grandson of Isaac, the great-grandson of Abraham, he has one of the greatest 10-year challenges ever because if you look at his life, what you'll see is a 17-year-old kid who's a shepherd boy who's inexperienced, but 10 10 plus years later, he is one of the wisest leaders in a foreign kingdom known as Egypt. And if you look at his snapshot, there's a temptation to just say like, man, he went from there to there, like that is amazing, not knowing all the stuff that took place in the middle that pushed him to where he is going to. 
And sometimes we like to look at life where it is just this gradual increase where we're just slowly building up. But if you look at the life of Joseph, he faced pressure. He faced attacks by his own family. And in his situation, things literally went from bad to worse. See, Joseph, uh, he was one of the younger brothers out of his out of his brothers that he had. And one thing they hated about him is that he was a tattletale. He was the one that when his brothers were up to no good, he run back and tell a report to his pops. And his brothers hated him for that. And his father actually showed him obvious favoritism over the other brothers because he says that Joseph was a son of his old age. And see, Joseph was given dreams by God, dreams where he would be put into a position of leadership and power. And he told these, he wasn't quiet about his dreams. He told these dreams to his brothers and they hated him all the more for it so much that they'd be willing to sell their own their own kinfolk, their own flesh and blood into slavery because they were fearful of the dream that God has given them. And when I look at the life of Joseph, when I see him go from a 17-year-old boy to a slave to a prisoner, I can't help but realize that you could be right where God wants you and still be going through hell. You could be right where God has called you and still be experiencing pain, still be going through trials, still be facing tough stuff. But here's the thing. With Joseph, as his situation went from bad to worse, as it went from slave to a prisoner in the king's castle, as things got worse than what they were when it first started, God's love increased in his life. How many are thankful that when we go deeper into our trials, we also go deeper into the love of God because he'll provide everything you need to get through what you're going through, right? He experienced more of God's love even though his situation got worse. And when I look at Joseph's story I can't help but realize that there's a promise God made thousands of years ago that still stands to this day. And the promise is this. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You don't go through any trial by yourself, but rather God leads you by the hand through it. And he wants to shape you and build you as you go through it. But so many people, so many even believers, when we go through it, we get discouraged along the way. Because sometimes we think that God only comes with the blessing and not the trials that he uses to shape us. We think that our destiny is filled with good things that only should be pushing us forward rather than the the trials and the tough things that build us up while we're low. I love the fact that God's love increased in Joseph's life as his trials, tribulations, and pain also increased. And see, this morning, family, we are going to be in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, it reads like this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be, it may be. See, they're speculating. Nothing is taking place. They're speculating. There's anxiety building up. It may be. What is your, what is your, it may be? It said that it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message. They forged a message. They sent a a, a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. See, you look at this and you'd be like, oh man, that's so humble of his brothers. But in reality, they were trying to cover their backsides. They realized that their only barrier, their only protection, the only thing that stood between them and Joseph or between Joseph and them was their father protecting them from Joseph's revenge. But here's the thing. 
if you read the story, if you read the entire story, you'll realize that five chapters earlier, Joseph already forgave his brothers. Matter of fact, he confronted them. He revealed his identity. He revealed all the things that happened to him during his trials. And he told them, I forgive you. You do not have to worry. Matter of fact, go get pops. Go get the family. Go get everything that you own. And you're going to come live with me in Egypt because at this time, Joseph is second in command to Pharaoh, one of the wisest men. And he was well taken care of. So he said, you know, I'm going to take care of my family now. They were completely forgiven. He said, bring everything that you own and come with me. We're going to be one big happy family again, and things are going to be good. But it's interesting. There was something in the hearts of Joseph's brothers that prevented them from receiving the grace and mercy that was given to them from God through Joseph. And I can't help but look at scripture and relate to his brothers because there's been times where I fall, I mess up, I sin. How many know that you can still be a man or woman of God and still mess up? We ain't perfect out here. You know what I'm saying? You, there, there's times where I mess up and I tr- there's something in my mind that tells me, like, I'm, not, I'm no longer good enough for the grace and mercy that God has for me. I'm no longer good enough to accept the mercy that he already given me. But here's the thing. I find it quite too often that we end up begging for God's grace instead of walking in the grace he already given us through the cross of Jesus Christ. See, when Christ was on the cross, he said, it is finished. That means your past Your present and your future sins have been covered, but I find it quite often in my walk that I end up scratching at the door of God's grace instead of walking in the grace he's already given me. Come on, now we end up begging instead of walking in the grace that he lavished us in. Like It it says in uh, John chapter 1 that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth, full of it. And having a daughter, it makes me think, like, no matter, okay, because she's two years old, and it's like that. I'm not going to say love, hate because I love my daughter, but sometimes I, a brother need to get to sleep. Like, I got to go to work in the morning, right? And, you know, sometimes she get on my nerves a little bit, right? But I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying this hard, but it's real, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. My daughter will never have to beg me to be her father because the stipulations of the relationship means that I will always be there and care for her. And what I realized in my walk with God that once I said yes to Jesus Christ, once he invaded my life, I received the grace once and for all. I no longer have to beg for it, but rather it's my birthright because of our relationship. You no longer have to beg for the grace of God. He's dumped it all over you. You just have to receive it. But quite often we end up begging for God's grace instead of walking in it because anxiety loves to push us in that direction. And I see it that with their brothers... With Joseph's brothers, they developed a lifestyle that operated through anxiety and fear. You can see that from the very first, from chapter 37, where the story of Joseph starts, you see that his brothers are already developing fear because it's, it's obvious that their father Jacob loves Joseph more than the rest of the brothers. He's showing it by his actions. And then Joseph gets dreams, and the brothers, be, they get fearful because they're like, man, I cannot believe that one of our younger brothers will be serving and reigning over us. That doesn't make sense. And their anxiety leads them to actually committing a heinous crime by selling their own flesh and blood into slavery. And here we are in Genesis chapter 50, and they're now forging a message from their father that already passed away saying, hey, dad said you need to forgive me. But and, And Joseph, you can see he reacts in emotion to this. They've already been forgiven. Why are you begging for more grace? Just receive the grace that was given to you. But I realized this about anxiety. 
Anxiety will, just to make it plain, anxiety will have you doing some dumb stuff that not only hurts you, but hurts the people around you. Anxiety and fear will most definitely not, it will hurt you, it will ruin your relationships, and it will cause you to veer off. But here's the thing, here's, here's what I realize, and you guys can probably agree with this if you've been a teenager at once, which I'm sure you have. Um, teenagers, we do, teenagers, 95% of what they say and they do, it don't make sense. I remember when my pops would ask me, like, Kevin, why did you do this? And I remember, like, I would have to sit there and really think, like, well, wait a second. Why did I? You can literally go and ask him, like, I have a signature face that anytime he asked me something and, like, I knew I was in trouble, like, my eyes would just start, like, twitching, like, I don't know why I did that, God, like, my brain is not fully developed. I wish I'd have knew that answer back in the day. I would answer all of it like, God, my brain is still, come on, dad, give me my brain. So this is a true story. Is my mom in here? Mom, if you're here, mom, you remember this. You remember this. So it was a Sunday night. I had school the next morning. I was a junior in high school, and I was hanging out with some friends, uh, Marquise and Avery. And um, we, hmm, how do I put this? You know, when you don't want to expose too much of you. What, I remember we did something that if you do it, I think the side effects are like happy, hungry, sleepy. Um, it's, it smells like a skunk, kind of. If you Google it and just say like, hey, in California, what else smells like a skunk? Um, it'll tell you. But here's the thing. If it gives you an address, do not go to the place it says. You may see a green cross, but that's not the same. It's not the same as our... You know, it's not the same cross. It's not, not the same Jesus. It's not the, one gets you high in yourself. The other one you get higher. Never mind. And I remember we, we did that. They dropped me off. I know I'm late. And you know how, for some odd reason, when you're trying to like sneak in and out the door that you have to go through, just decides to be loud for no reason. Like the, you've been quiet all year, no rust. And now you want to, like you want to make all this noise. So I, I try to go around the back to see if the sliding doors open. I try to go to my room. I had a downstairs room. Oh, real quick, parents, um, if you can avoid it, do not give your kid the downstairs room. But if you have to, remember The Walking Dead, just start boarding up windows. Because I promise you that, that, that window in the downstairs, that's not a window. That's a door that they will go through or somebody else will come. Th- board it up. I'm trying to save you pain. Board it up. So I try... I'm telling you, this is a true story. My mom's going to remember this. Look, she, her arms are crossed right now. Like, son, I will beat you like you. So I go through the front door. And mothers have, like, this crazy ability just to kind of see through the, the crap, like, that you're about to give them. Like, they see through your soul. It was just like this God-given. Because I'm a dad. I'm kind of dumb. Like, Emery could slap me, give me a kiss. And I'm like, oh, we're good. But, like, moms, they're able to really see what's, what's going down. And I remember I walked through the door. And my mom, she just, she comes down, she got the, the do-rag on, you know. If your mom come down in the head wrap, you in trouble. You, you woke her from her sleep. She was supposed to be, so she comes downstairs. I see her, she looks dead, she looks dead in my eyes. She's like, why are your eyes red? She's a parole officer, she's been a parole officer for 25 years. So she knows, she knows, she knows. And I'm like, because, like, like, I'm scared, so I just start lying immediately. Like, I'm like, mom, I'm just having an identity crisis, I don't... I don't know who I am or what. And then she was like, why do you smell like that? 
And I'm like, Mom, I think I got colon cancer. I've been farting. It smells like a skunk, huh? It, it won't leave. It's on my clothes. It's on my clothes. Why are your eyes glossy? Mom, I'm legally blind. I don't know. I can't see my own eyes. I can't. I don't know what you're seeing. Right after that, she gave me the gangster New York punch right to the chest. Broke my birdcage. And right after that, like, anytime I see her in the hallway, I start flinching. Like, hey, mom, watch out. Are you trying to give me a hug? Okay. Sorry, mom. Just that one time you hit me, I never forgot. Like, I used to be scared of my dad, and then my mom punched me, and I was like, you know what? I'll just, dad, punish me instead. She's from the Lower East Side of Manhattan, y'all. She grew up in the hood. That's all I, you know what I'm saying? But here's the thing, like, anxiety and fear will have you doing some dumb stuff, and it hurts the people around you. See, here's the thing. Point number one, point number one, don't let anxiety be your God. Write that down. Don't let anxiety be your God. Anxiety is not meant to rule over you. Don't let anxiety be your God. Because here's the thing about anxiety. If it rules over you, I promise you, I promise you, you absolutely will live a limited life if anxiety is your God. Because here's the thing, anxiety does anything that it can to prevent you from experiencing the blessings that God has for you. It'll keep you from taking that step into the blessings that God has for you. Anxiety cannot be your God. It'll hold you back. And here's the thing. You see it in church all the time. I see it with people where it's like, man, they're amazing. Listen, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You've been gifted. You've been called. But you've limited yourself to a church attender and a spectator instead of getting in the game because of your anxiety. And here's the thing, when I say that you are gifted by the Spirit, I'm not necessarily speaking to your career path. I'm talking about the people business of seeing souls saved. You've been called. God's gifted you. You've been wonderfully created. God has put so much on the inside of you, but it's fear and anxiety that keeps you from living a fulfilled life in Jesus Christ because the fear of taking that step. Anxiety is not meant to be your God. Do not let anxiety be your God. I'll never forget, like, I used to be, and I kind of still am. Matter of fact, my wife gave me water because she was like, I could tell you be thirsty up there. She said, here you go, Dwight. I'm like, Dwight? She said, yeah, Dwight around your lips. I was like, oh, man, here. thank you so much. Matter of fact, get some. Mm. Holy water. Thank you, boo. Thank you. All right, back to Genesis 50, 19. We having too much fun. All right, I'm sorry, verse 18. It says that his brothers also came came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. Isn't it interesting that anxiety and fear will try to remove parts of your identity that was already your right? It will try to remove parts of your identity that you should rightfully have. They try to lower themselves as, as servants. But here's the thing. Joseph had every right to get him back. I mean, if you operate in, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, he could have got him back. I mean, and he's second in command. He could snap his fingers. They'd be off to prison. They'd be killed. He can get rid of them because of his position of power. He has everything in his power to completely get rid of his brothers for the, for the pain that they cause him. But how does Joseph respond? How does he respond to his brothers that hurt him so dearly? Verse 19, it says, but Joseph said to them, do not fear. Oh, that's beautiful. Do not fear do not worry. Do not stress. You have nothing to be afraid about. Do not fear. And I can't help but see that this is a clear picture of the gospel that while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us and gave us life. Like we can operate in power. But here's the thing. You know what's really fair? Like if you really want to talk about fairness, because everybody, you know, you want to be fair. You want to be fair. You know what's fair? 
The wages of sin is death. That's fair. The wages of sin is death. That's fair. But God being rich in his mercy has given us eternal life through Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us anyway. Listen, point number two, life's not fair. Praise God. Because that means if life's not fair, that means I get to receive grace. Come on, somebody. Life's not fair. Praise God. Listen, we should have been internally uh, separated from the love of God, but him being a loving father, he brought us into relationship by sending his only begotten son to be sacrificed on a cross so that we may experience what it means to truly live. Life's not fair. Praise God. I'm okay with it. Life's not fair. Praise God. You've been given grace even though you don't deserve it. Life's not fair. Come on. Life's not fair. Life's not fair. Come on, somebody. See, look, I, were, I have a kid. She's talking a little bit, but I also get to serve and read kids. And if you got kids that can talk or you work at a school or you in any, any type of daycare, like anytime you tell them like, hey, hey, Johnny, I need you to stop messing with that. Then he points over like, well, Timmy's doing the same thing. That's not fair. You know what's funny about, you know what's funny about being fair is everybody wants fairness until it's them who's in need of grace. Everybody wants life to be fair until it's them who has fallen and is in need of some grace. Praise God, life's not fair because I receive his grace. Come on, somebody. Come on. So here's the thing. In chapter, chapter 50, verse 20, it says this. Uh, actually, picking up for where Joseph left off. Do not fear for am, for am I in the place of God. He leaves judgment to God. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you. I have a tough time. I mean, sometimes. It depends who it is. I have a tough time, like, sitting with somebody while they're talking about somebody because I look at myself and I'm like, hey, if there was grace for me, if there was grace for you, like, how can we judge anybody else when God looked at our sins and said, I'm not going to even remember what you did. You are my son. You know what I'm saying? Like, we cannot stand in the place of judgment and judge other people because, listen, your, your righteousness on your best day, filthy rags. Filthy rags. We all deserve separation from God, but through his love, he brought us in. Come on, y'all. Verse 20, it says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Come on, listen, when I say they meant evil, you said God meant good. They meant evil? They meant evil? Come on, point it to the sky and say it with your chest. They meant evil? Man, I serve in kids' ministry, and I'm telling you, your kids get more excited about Jesus than you. They meant evil. That's beautiful. That's right. That's right. They meant evil, but God meant good. And then he says that to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. There is purpose in your pain. There is purpose in it. So many people have the fundamental question of, you know, if God is such a good God, If God is such a a, a great father, if God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to kids? Why do these bad things happen? Here's the only thing I know. Jesus Christ, the son of God who did no wrong, experienced a cross. And because of that cross, because of that pain, because of what he went through, many were saved because of it. I'm just trying to tell you that there's purpose in the pain that you go through. There's purpose in the pain that you go through. Listen, you may not know why, but I'm telling you, it can bless somebody else. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's get back here. So it says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus, he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. 
So we, we understand that this is a clear picture of the gospel where God looks at our, at our sins and remembers them no more. But like Joseph was a man and still forgave them. Because I think about it, I'm like, when they said, hey, we'll be your servants, I'd have been like, for sure. Judah, go outside, the chariot's out there, extra armor on the tires. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Reuben, go ahead and grab the vacuum. Go ahead and vacuum up the hut. Go ahead. Hey, Levi, we got some dishes that need to be washed, so go ahead. And then after that, you can start cooking dinner. Like, to be honest, I may have taken advantage of the situation, but what was it about Joseph that led him to forgive forward? He understood that God uses everything in our lives, even the pain that people cause us. God uses everything in our lives. He's the master recycler. He's able to take the trash and the dirt that we experience and turn it into something beautiful. He uses everything in our lives. Here's the thing, point number three, point number three. To experience God's sovereignty, you must have a sovereignty mindset. To experience God's sovereignty, you must have a sovereignty mindset. And having a sovereignty mindset truly believes that God is in complete control of everything that you experience, everything that you went through, every single thing. God is in complete control of what you went through. It's so funny how we think that it's only the good things that come from God. Like, that's only from him. Like, he doesn't use trials to grow grow us. Remember when Christ was baptized and the Holy Spirit came and rested upon him? Right after he was baptized, it said that the spirit, the spirit, not the devil— We out here giving the devil too much credit for the stuff that we go through. When God wants to use that trial to shape you, it says that the the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Come on, God wants to use everything in your life. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. One One of the toughest things to get around is why do these bad things happen to us? Why do these bad things really happen to us? I want to share... Um, a personal story with you guys that literally it was a secret that I've been holding on for the last 15, 17 years. And it was something that I was so afraid to come out and talk about because there was so much shame behind it. But while I was about five to seven years old, I experienced perversion that led to so many issues in my life. And it's crazy to think that the shame, because here's the thing about shame. Shame wants you to keep quiet about your pain because if you're quiet about it, you can never help the next person who is getting ready to go through it. You'll never be able to be used by God if your pain is something that you hold deep inside. And I remember like, like literally I just told my wife this past Saturday, we sat down and we talked about it. And like, even like as a man, like we could be prideful. We could be prideful about the things that we went through. And I just kind of, in that moment, I was like, man, do I really, am I really going to utter these words that like I was molested as a kid? Like, that's not something that, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I never talked to a lot of men and we, that was our conversation. But I remember like in that moment when I was telling my wife, I literally can feel the chains breaking over my life. I felt freedom. And I was like, devil, you no longer have any ammunition to use against me. You no longer have it. I'm free. Because here's the thing. The pain that you keep inside, there's two options for it. There's two options. It can be either a tool that God uses to save others, or it will be a weapon that the devil uses to destroy you and the people around you because you'll begin to build up hate. So I want to ask you this morning, 
What will your pain be? Is it going to be a tool to build others up? Because I'm telling you right now, like if you went through it, somebody else went through it too. There's babies out there that need us right now that are experiencing stuff that they cannot deal with. And who better than the very person that went through the same thing that they did to point them to Christ and say, listen, I I know this happened to you, but your story is not over. God is still writing it. And he's using everything to bring you to the place that God has called you to. The pain in our lives, will you let it be a tool or a weapon against you? And see, in the verse right here where it says, where it says that, um, where was it? To bring it about that many people should be kept alive. So in context, what happened there is that the world was getting ready to experience a famine. And, and God gave Joseph supernatural wisdom to prepare the nation of Egypt for this famine that was getting ready to take place. And because they prepared for it, they were not affected by it like everybody else. They were ready for it. But then I see that and I'm like, man, there's still a famine going on today. There's a spiritual famine. There's a famine that has dried up the love and the hope and the, and the power in people's hearts. It's still going on today. And listen, I want to challenge you guys. If you're here and you experience pain before, it's time to let God use that. You no longer have to hold on to that. When you hold on to it, the devil is going to mess with you. He's going to say that you're not good enough. If you tell them you're weird, if you tell them they're going to talk about you. And for the longest time, I did that for 15 years. And it caused my life so much trouble because I was holding it in. I had nobody that I could tell just simply because the shame was like a blanket that just wanted to keep it quiet. Shame will always try to keep your pain quiet. You need to get it out there because there's someone who needs to hear your story. No lie. We got uh, the youth leaders here. No lie. We went to camp last year and we asked some of the boys. We said, how many of you guys have your biological father in the house living with you? And to, correct me if I'm wrong, more than I would say at least 80% of them rose their hands like my, my dad is not here. And I know there's men out here who went through the same exact thing and they need to know that, hey, your biological father may have not been there, but there's a heavenly father up above who is still going to be with you. Your story's not over. I think about my daughter, man. And I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a father of anxiety. I'm telling you because I see all the pain that happens in this world and I'm like, God, I hope she's not one in the four girls that they say get sexually abused before they're 18. And actually, one in six boys also also get sexually abused before they're 18. But guess what? They're keeping quiet about it because of the shame. We need you. Steward your pain that happened to you. Listen, stop asking God, why did this happen to me? And start asking God, who was the one that I need to reach? Who's the one that I need to share my story with so that their chains could be broken? I'm telling you right now, your pain is a key to unlock the chains that people have over them. Yeah. We need you. Yeah. The world needs you. 43% of kids go to, go to sleep without their biological father in their house. And 66% of uh, kids that commit suicide all come from fatherless homes. They're, they're killing themselves out here. They need us. It's time to band together. It's time to let God use your pain to, lock, to unlock someone else's chain. Yeah, yeah. It's time. Yeah. It's time. We have to step up as a people and not be ashamed of the things we went through. You no longer have to be ashamed. You know yeah. why? Because God is using everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Will you allow your pain to be a tool to help somebody else or a weapon that just destroys you and the people around you? Come on, on, guys. It's time. And I want to ask you right now. I need you to talk back to me. Will you step up to the occasion? Will you step up to the occasion? Will you step up to the challenge? Yes. Come on, listen. We need to declare to the devil right now that you cannot have us right now. That pain we have inside, you cannot hold it no longer. We give it to God. We give it to God in this moment. 
that our pain can be used yes. as a tool to help others. Come on, y'all. It's time. It's time. No longer being ashamed of what you went through. Are you still standing? Is there still breath in your lungs? That means your story's not over. The fight is still on. Listen, guys. As I begin to close, I just want to leave you with this. Like, you have an advantage. You have an an advantage because of Jesus Christ. Like, literally, the cards are in your favor. You got something up your sleeve that, that there's people out there that don't have. So, literally... Every battle of life that you experience, you can walk up to that giant and say, listen, I can't take you, but I came with a God who has enough power, a God who's in control, that is able to use anything I went through for the good of others. It's time to step up, y'all. No more being ashamed. Listen, when I say never, you say ashamed. Never. 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 Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning, God. I pray that God's chains were broken, Father. I pray that there's people right now who are going to accept the challenge and see all the pain that's out there in the world and say, listen, I went through what that that kid went through, and I can help them. And I pray right now that anyone dealing with shame right now, that they would drop it, that they would not be controlled by anxiety, that they would not be controlled by the schemes of the devil, God, but they would be controlled by you because you're sovereign using everything that we experience to not only help us, but to save many, God. Right now in this room, there are world changers, God. And right now, I cast down the fear of anxiety. I cast cast down the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, the spirit of depression, so that people would be set free and that they would begin to use their testimony as the powerful tool that it is, not the weapon that it's been been these past couple of years or, 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 or many years hurting them, God. So today, God, we step up to the plate. There's kids out there that need us. There's people out there that need us, God. And we're going to use our pain well. We're going to steward it well, God. We're going to break chains. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a great big praise. Brilliant, brilliant message. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We'd love to stay connected with Find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Relevant Riverside. We hope you have a great week.